Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad that you're with us on this Thursday, January 12th edition of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Santer along with Michael Mergens and Ben Milam. On the program today, we're going to be talking with Eric Scott Jr., the outstanding cornerback for Southern Miss. He's getting ready for the East-West Shrine Bowl, which is going to be held in Lost Wages. I mean, uh, Las Vegas on February 2nd. He'll be joining us in a moment from Phoenix. Scott Watkins will be joining us from the Sun-Herald. He covers Southern Miss for the Sun-Herald down on the coast. And we're going to talk about some rule changes in college baseball, get you all set for both women's and men's basketball games tonight as well. This first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Dickie's is the place to go for all of your catering might be planning a Super Bowl party. That's the place to go to let them handle all the cooking with all the great delicious sides that they have. Just drive by the window, pick them up, or you can uh, enjoy the, the sweet smell of all that great barbecue. Dickie's Barbecue near uh, Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg. Joining us now on the phone is Eric Scott Jr. Uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, where he is training along with uh, – one of his other Southern Miss teammates. Yeah, Jason Brownlee. Jason Brownlee's yeah. there as well, getting ready. He's a native of Basel, Kansas, which is uh, essentially the metropolitan Kansas City area. And l- listen to some of these statistics. In his career at Southern Miss, 40 solo tackles, five interceptions, and I think, Ben, one of the, the most really remarkable things in this day and age with football is his durability. Mm-hmm. Sophomore, 11, played 11 games. Junior year, 12 games. Senior year, 12 games. Eric Scott Jr. was never getting hurt. He was always on the field. And Eric, we welcome you, man. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me on air. Hey, tell me how you got the invitation to the East-West uh, All-Star thing and how that works. Well, um, I'm signed to the agency Sports Stars, and my agent is Dave Butts. He and I have both um, – been trying to get an acceptance into one of the three games, whether it was the NFLPA or East West or the Reese's Bowl, and uh, East West had reached out. I want to say about three, four weeks ago, and invited me to uh, to play in their game, and I accepted. Now you came from Butler Community College and up in Kansas. Butler uh, every year seems yes, is battling for the national championship, including yes, sir. They won it in two thousand four. Just as a matter of trivia, the coach or excuse me, the quarterback of Butler in 2004, is now the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor. And Butler beat Pearl River Community College in Mississippi back in 
2004 for that title. But how does a kid from suburban Kansas City find out about Hattiesburg and wind up at Southern Miss? Well, through my process at Butler, I played in six games total out of 12. And I had offers from Akron and Southern Miss. I was actually committed to Akron. And a coach named Jay Hobson ended up reaching out to me and flipped me about two weeks before signing day after an official visit, and I fell in love with Hattiesburg. Well, Eric, as, as Kelly, Ben Milam here, Eric, uh, Kelly reads those stats off. I, I find it really interesting in terms of specifically defensive backs. When you look at stats like that, first, obviously really impressive stats, but something Coach Hall talked about actually in fall camp when he was talking about you and, and the big year he expected out of you, he said maybe some of the numbers don't read as really impressive, but that's just sort of the case as a defensive back. I mean, guys just wouldn't throw in your direction, and so you, you didn't really have the, the stat-stuffing, sheet-stuffing uh, numbers is what yeah, I'm trying sure. to say there. And so, yeah, my question is, as a defensive back – Obviously, your resume is the tape. How do you approach a game and not necessarily pursue numbers, but just try to stand out on the film to guys like the scouts who are looking at you for the next level of competition? Well, I try to keep and push that to the back of my mind and make sure that I'm prepared for each week, each day in and day out. Preparation is the key. So. Whatever comes on the field, you can't force anything. And I just wanted to make every opportunity that I could. And whether it, whether it came or not during the season, I was just glad to be out there. How would you describe the Southern Miss uh, Golden Eagle season, Eric, this year? Well, I'd say it was a, a giant leap in the in the correct direction. Just just because they started quickly, then kind of had a lull yeah. in the middle, and then finished strong, and that's always the way you know you kind of want to finish. What do you think as you continue to get ready for the next level, Eric? And obviously, it's just about every player's goal to play in the league. What do you consider is are the strengths of your skill sets, and what are some things that you really want to work to sharpen? Okay, well, the strength of mine is athletic ability. God has blessed me tremendously uh, with athletic ability. And things that I would want to say that I need to strengthen would be uh, just general football like you. It's nothing that you can't learn, and there's uh, there's never too much knowledge. You know what I mean? Eric, it's it's interesting talking to guys. Uh, we talked to Jason Brownlee on Monday, who are going through these and preparing for these All Star games in the postseason, and. I'm wondering, you, you've heard, you know, I'm sure people have talked to you about the value of this in terms of your draft stock and how you perform. What, what's the focus? Is there, is there any portion of this that's, that's going to really boost that draft stock or, or can it really boost your draft stock or is it just a matter of getting in front of as many scout eyes as possible? Well, I'd say everything that you said is, is on the list, man. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that's too big or too small that needs to be overlooked. Um, right now, I'm trying to train and get my 40 time down. And then when I go out to the game in Vegas, be able to put on a show and, and showcase my, my talents and my abilities. And hopefully we'll uh, be able to make it to the next level. Well, well Kelly, some, some, uh, some famous people have come through the East-West Shrine Bowl. It's, it really is uh, quite a feat to even get to this point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
run through a few of these names. Walter Payton, Lawrence Taylor, John Elway, Gail Sayers, Jimmy Garoppolo, and your favorite quarterback, Tom Brady. Oh, <laughs> Eric, what is it? What is it, what runs through your mind hearing those kind of names that went through this bowl and started their pro- professional career here? Man, I'm honored. I'm excited to be a, a part of that, and um, I'm just really looking forward to being able to showcase my abilities against some of the other top competition in the nation. But now, Eric Scott Jr., you're also learning that this is now a business. Uh, you've gone from yes, sir. college football to pro. What have you learned so far about the business side of what you're uh, going to embark upon? Well, I have a coach out here in Phoenix that explained to us just yesterday that when I played my last college football game, that was my last game that I was going to be playing for fun. I'm now entering the hmm. business side of football, and I have to evolve my mindset into a business mindset rather than oh, I'm just going to work hard and compete my way onto the field. It is a business aspect of, of playing in the NFL. Imagine it's, it's still a little bit fun, though. You get to play football. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Well, another fun part of it, I imagine, is is getting to work out with your, your I guess, former teammate now and your friend Jason Brownlee. What have, yeah. What's been that process uh, of you two going through this together? Since we've met, in 2020 because Jason and I also came in at the same time as Southern Miss it's always been a competition of one up in each other and it's and it's friendly competition it's no uh, animosity or anything like that uh, we actually stay together it's really fun being able to have somebody that you know and that uh, has the same goals and desires as you all right so in a just waving a magic wand Eric you want to be drafted by the Chiefs because you grew up a Chiefs fan I'm assuming Man, that would be a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was another guy, uh, Sertan. Pat, oh, he was Patrick Sertain back right. when he played at Southern Miss. Yes, but sir. when he made it big, you know, changed the last name to Sertan. I think he played a little bit with the Kansas City Chiefs, or maybe his son now with the Chiefs. I don't know. Anyway, there's there's a, a lot of Southern Miss ties to a lot of different yeah. teams, you know, in the league. So take us through the chronology now, Eric. What you're doing now from here until you play that game February second. Okay. Well. Right now I'm training with Eggos in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we train every single day. Sundays are our off days. Uh, as you said before, the game is on February 2nd, and then I'll be returning back to Hattiesburg in March for a pro day. And then we'll be taking visits and uh, waiting until the draft on April 27th. You get back. You get back to uh, the Kansas City area very often. You know, it's lovely in January. <laughs> <laughs> negative, negative, very cold. <laughs> yeah, you no, do without the snow, I'm sure. Yes, sir. How are you a different uh, football player today, Eric, than you were when you stepped on campus at Southern Miss? Um, you know, development comes in small and small steps, and I would say that we've taken a lot of steps forward and not too many steps backwards. So, And that's the idea. Man, well, look, we're going to let you go. All right, continued success. We're going to be watching watching your career, beginning with the East-West Shrine game. And we know we just know that you're going to be another guy uh, that wore the black and gold that will represent Southern Miss well. But we all, always of want course. what's best for you. Eric Scott, Jr., thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. All right, the Golden Eagle outstanding cornerback, 6'2". Pretty big for a cornerback. Yeah, huh? yeah, that, that's not, not going to hurt him at all. Hard to throw over a guy like a that. A lot of things to talk about, including basketball. We'll talk about that in our next segment of the Eagle Hour after these commercial messages. 
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This segment brought to you by Campus Bookmart. You can shop Campus Bookmart 24-7 on the web at Campus Bookmart. That's Campus Bookmart with a T. CampusBookmart.net. New apparel arriving every single day. It says right on the sign in the front of the building. So if you thought you saw everything last week, time to go back this week because they're constantly changing inventory and uh, always having on the shelves things that you want. Campus Bookmark, proud to be a supporter of Southern Miss Athletics. They're in the bright gold building right across from the main entrance to the Southern Miss campus on Hardy Street. Kelly Sander, Ben Milam, and Michael Mergens on this Thursday Some big baseball news breaking out of Southern Miss, and we're going to follow up with this on Monday. We're going to get an official from the university to be on the Eagle Hour on Monday. For the first time in the history of the school, specifically with the baseball program, so we're talking baseball here, every single seat at Pete Taylor Park is now sold. The chairbacks were gone long ago the bleachers are going to be reserved this year Mm -hmm. every single bleacher seat is now sold if you don't have southern miss baseball tickets now the only ones that will be available are sro standing room only now you can bring a lawn chair Mm -hmm. if you like something like that but there will not be manufactured seating for you at pete taylor park this is amazing ben it is, and it's it's indicative of obviously the year that they had last year. But this this was a conversation that we had a year ago. You broke the season a ticket record, sold season tickets last year, and and it's just a snowball effect. And obviously, again with the the success that the team had and the consistent success that they've had over the last decade, people want to come watch this team play. And then you then you deal with the situation of. Well, do, does, should Pete Taylor Park get bigger? And if it gets yeah. bigger, how do you do that? Because right, you've right. got apartments on one side, you've got the Catholic Church on the other side, you got Hardy Street behind or Fourth yeah. Street rather behind you, and you got the Longleaf Trace beyond the left field wall. So you'd have to go up somewhere. I'm guessing, presumably, over the batting cages over there and left or whatever but this is a great problem to have it is a great problem and that's not the first time this question has been posed i know that you know the athletic administration has has had that thought because you you get to the point where you're consistently selling a stadium out and hosting postseason events like the three tournaments in the postseason you hosted last year you get to the point where i mean you're selling out every seat and the thought comes okay well how can we accommodate more people and like you said that's there are going to be some engineering details you have to work around but there there are things you can do and it also i think bears repeating that even though there are only standing room only seats left like you mentioned you can take a lawn chair that's part of what make makes Pete Taylor Park great I think is that you can take a lawn chair and still get a great view of the baseball game and still enjoy a great atmosphere even though you're not maybe in the in the chair backs or the bleachers or you can befriend a lot of people in the roost Mm -hmm. that's right that's there's the key (laughs) and just kind of wander you know from space to space you wander aimlessly enough you're going to get offered some food and probably a seat too and I've been doing that for years (laughs) and it's worked wonderfully but again from the baseball uh, department so to speak Every single seat at Pete Taylor Park, including the bleachers, which are now reserved seats, all of them gone. 
Couldn't buy one if you wanted to, unless you bought them from the people who now right. own them. But Southern Miss Baseball, standing room only, the only tickets available. Elsewhere, the NCAA Rules Committee voted yesterday that beginning July 1st, air quotes, volunteer coaches for baseball will now become a paid position. This is something that a lot of baseball teams across the country had been pushing for. Incrementally, they'd like to have another coach Mm -hmm. besides that. But one more now has been approved. They're not far, from what I understand, of having the votes for yet another one. But if you go through rosters of college baseball teams, there'll be the head coach, the pitching coach, you know, but then there's always seems a volunteer coach. So starting July 1st, when the NCAA's fiscal year begins, those volunteer coaches will now be able to be a full-time, on-the-field, participating coach for NCAA baseball teams. Your thoughts? Yeah, long time coming. I mean, you, you look at these, I think I saw a picture of, it was Georgia taking a picture before the college football playoff. They're, it was their full staff, their full team, and it was a staff, I mean, you know, 200 people total with the team and the staff. And the question has been asked for many years, how do how are you able to hire 80 people on staff for football and you can only have three assistants a total for baseball two two on field and i also think it's it's um you know that it, it's a picture of the way that college baseball has grown because it you know for for the majority of the history of college baseball it's been a highly regional sport and i think that's that's still the case but over these last i think especially three or four years we've seen it become a national sport and to where a lot of these Northeastern and you know out west those those schools are really starting to put real money into baseball and they're starting to be a bit of an arms race uh, you know especially in the southeast but it's starting to become a national thing where schools see the value and the worth of putting money into baseball and now the NCAA is seeing the value of allowing more money to be put into baseball on the staff side of things I, I still think that the schools from the upper Midwest and the Mountain West are because of weather yeah in in december Uh january february when you're getting ready to play the season i still think those particular schools are behind the eight ball which reinforces your point about baseball being a little bit more regional Uh, but those teams generally will travel south early in the season Uh until mother nature warms up there but but they're still a a little bit behind but but they're even on board now with expanding these these coaching staffs right well and there's there's been talk I, I forget what head coach it was but it was a division one head coach who was saying he felt like the season should be moved up a month to where some of those those schools in the in the colder regions would not have to to play snowbird baseball and be on the road for a month and at the first month and a half of the season so so push the season back in march you're talking about correct yes instead of yeah. february right yeah, and of course, you, you know, you run into all sorts of logistical details and issues there because then, you know, these college kids are playing through July uh, when they're not in school. And so, you know, who knows if, if that's actually going to happen. But it, it is interesting just the fact of, of adding another volunteer assistant. I think there, there may be two different sides of it because some people might feel like that is going to level the playing field a little bit because you are able to have another assistant everyone is but then the other side of that is 
and also just side note that that uh, there will be no recruiting restrictions. I think that was a big part of the discussion is would this third assistant be able to have uh, full time abilities as a recruiter year round? And, and they are. And so, yeah, yeah they will as of J- July 1st of July 1st, 2023. Correct. Right. Yeah. And the other side of that, though, is does does it benefit the higher resource schools who are able to spend a lot more money recruiting wise and now able to send a different guy it's there are two different sides of it and i don't know if it's going to give a a competitive advantage one way or the other but i think it's i think it's without a question good for the sport and in a big step of progression either way so as of july 1st each division one school can have a head coach and three full-time assistant coaches and they're just a few votes away from having a fourth one added so um Baseball, college baseball in particular, is uh, is becoming more popular. Well, and there's also the discussion of the the uh, scholarship restriction of 11.7 scholarships, and there's there's been clamoring again over the last three or four years as college baseball's popularity has increased. At what point do you increase that cap? Because you know there there is uh, there's a limitation of 11.7 and that hamstrings you pretty pretty well in terms of what you can offer student athletes but then you know there's there's the whole bundle of title nine and and balance of scholarships across your full offering of sports but i think we're getting closer and closer to that discussion and again it's it's a big step forward that puts you into some of these conversations and in case you just tuned in and missed the the lead in this segment all reserved seats at pete taylor park now have been sold Normally, the bleachers were just kind of general admission seats. Mm-hmm. Those went to reserve seats. They're all gone. So standing room only, individual tickets available for all games. Now, again, you'll be able to take a lawn chair, things like that. But there's just no room to put you all. <laughs> if you haven't already gotten uh, your tickets, there's not a whole lot more room uh, to put you. But that is a good problem to have. And a programming note, Monday on this Eagle Hour, we're going to talk with officials at the university about uh, how that happened and what might be the future mm-hmm. uh, of Pete Taylor Park because part of leadership is being proactive, not reactive. All right, we've still got basketball to talk to talk about. Men play at Huntington tonight against the Marshall Thundering Herd. The women are at home against Arkansas State. On the other side of this break, Scott Watkins from the Sun-Herald is going to join us with his perspective of what's going on at Southern Miss. The Eagle Hour continues after this timeout. To the Eagle Hour. We want to highlight 4th Street Bar and Grill, who is a sponsor of the Eagle Hour. And the game tonight, the men's game, starting at 8 o'clock on ESPN2. 8 o'clock our time against Marshall. That'll be on all the TVs at 4th Street tonight. You want to shoot some pool, have a little cold beverage, hang out with the 
I mean hardcore Southern Miss fans. Fourth Street Bar and Grill is where you want to be. And then the, the plate lunch tomorrow is a Catfish Friday. Uh, some of the best catfish you'll ever have. Nine ninety nine includes a drink. Thanks to everybody at Fourth Street Bar and Grill. Scott Watkins joins us now on the hotline from the Sun Herald on the Gulf Coast, who really we consider Southern Miss the Southern Miss paper. Uh, the Sun Herald does a job like no other of covering Southern Miss sports. We kind of lament the fact that the paper is in Gulfport and Biloxi, but mm-hmm. there, <laughs> there's a paper in Hattiesburg now that's not. Uh, necessarily covering Southern Miss. That's for another show. But we welcome you, Scott. Um, the Eagles going into Marshall tonight. You're a numbers guy. You like to break things down. And the more you pick this potential matchup apart tonight, uh, things could be could be rough tonight for the Golden Eagles. Tell us, tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, well, this is going to be an uphill battle for Southern Miss. And this is the part of the season where things get real. Uh, Marshall is going to be one of the two toughest teams that they face the rest of the way. And uh, from what you told me this morning, they had a tough time traveling uh, up, right. up to West Virginia, catching flights. They got in really late. Um, if they're not well-rested, this could be an issue because this is a Dan D'Antoni team that they're facing, and they have always played extremely fast. Uh, they they have the third-fastest possession linked in the country. They, they average like 15 seconds of possession. It's pretty insane. They play high-possession basketball. They, they sit around 75 possessions a game. That's what they like. They're, they're very comfortable with that. Their guards are extremely well-conditioned. Uh, if Southern Miss isn't well-rested by the time this game tips off tonight, it could be a struggle trying to uh, get things rolling. Well, Southern Miss goes into the game 14-3, and Marshall 13-4. and the Eagles are three and one in conference play. Marshall is two and two, but Ben, as you documented yesterday, two of the Marshall losses only by one point. That's right, which is just how, in general, Sun Belt conference games have gone this year. There's there's not been a lot of double digit games. And Scott, as you mentioned, those numbers on the Marshall side, I'm curious on the other side of things for Southern Miss. I mean, early in the year, this offense played at a pretty quick pace. It was not a Dan D'Antoni pace, but there were a couple of games where they were over that 70 possession mark. And obviously there have been a a few changes there. I think maybe the loss of Neftali Alvarez probably has something to do with that. But for Southern Miss on the other side of things, what do they need to do, in your opinion, to counteract that challenge of a a really fast-paced Marshall team? Well, the good news is that they are pretty well equipped. Uh, they defend the they defend the jump shot really well, and that's going to be key. But I think the most important thing is uh, when I watch Southern Miss, they do a really good job of falling into their stats offensively and controlling their own tempo on that side of the floor. And that's a really, really, really important thing is to not allow Marshall to set Southern Miss's pace. And that's something that Southern Miss has done well all year. They they did play some some high possession games this season, but those have all been either non D one or against some of the very worst teams in D one. Mm-hmm. So this will kind of be a, a new a new situation. Uh, but they they play they're they're equipped well enough. They've got the link most importantly to um, defend not not just within the two point line, but the three-point line and that's kind of been the the big thing all year long is they they've defended that three ball so much better than they have in the past and that's going to come up really 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 big because marshall's not the greatest three-point shooting team in the world Mm -hmm. you play stout early on in this game slow down the offensive possessions in those first 10 minutes and i think you can kind of set the tone and set the pace and that's 
that's where Southern Miss is key to this game is going to lie. Well, Scott, I'm curious. You're you are you're a Sunbelt guy. You're a Troy grad, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And at the risk of asking the same question over and over again, we've we've talked a couple of different times about the physicality and sort of the, the toughness of Sunbelt Conference play. It sounds like tonight it might be a, a little different than that. But from your perspective. Is is that characteristic of Sunbelt play almost across the board of of slower paced, kind of the opposite of what we're describing for tonight, slower paced, physical, and maybe not great high-powered offenses? You know, the, the cool thing about the Sunbelt expanding is that you now have a lot of different styles of play. I'd say in the past, yeah, it's, it's definitely not an up-and-down league. Uh, but the additions of Marshall and really James Madison, which is going to be the other very mm-hmm. tough opponent that Southern Miss has to play later on, they they both move the basketball up and down the court really quickly. And that's kind of changing things. It, it's changed the dynamic of how this league is playing out. Uh, you see both of those programs are off to really hot starts in this league as well. So it's, it's definitely different. And I think it's made things more exciting, more fun. I think fans love to see different styles of play. I know personally the uh, the Troy game wasn't the funniest game in the world because that's an old Sunbelt opponent, a Sunbelt team that plays very much strong half-court defense and slows things down offensively. It's something that Southern mismatches well with, uh, but this is the opposite. I mean, Marshall couldn't be any different, any more different than what Troy does uh, with its team. So it, it's a good mixed bag that we have now, and I think it just makes things a lot more fun to watch. Well, something that might be problematic tonight for the Eagles as well, Scott Watkins, is the Thundering Herd has a seven-footer, 7-1 seven to yeah. be specific, mm-hmm. that they're going to have to deal with. Uh, now, he's a freshman, right? But uh, but that's still, anytime you put a guy like that, uh, you, you have to be, be wary of him. No, absolutely. And uh, that, that guy in particular has... Uh, the fifth best offensive rebound rate in the entire country out of I mean out of all individuals. He's also a very strong defensive rebounder. This is that's that's gonna be a test. That's gonna be a test. Southern Miss is a very good offensive rebounding team and they are very good at preventing offensive rebounds. So that's kind of a strength on strength clash right there and something to watch out for. They also have a guy who may or may not play in Wyatt Freaks, so it, it, if if they're full strength, the things that they can do Inside that two-point line, it, it's going to be tough to match up with. I think one of the most impressive statistics for me so far is the way the Eagles have generally been able to take care of the basketball. You know, you you generally think that about you know fifteen turnovers is about average. I would say at the Division One level, but when you look at the Southern Miss statistics, there might be one game that they that were over fifteen turnovers. A lot of them far under that threshold of 15. Mm-hmm. I've been impressed at the way the Eagles have, have controlled the basketball, and they're going to have to to continue this, this great season, I would think. Well, and another thing, Kelly, you mentioned there, these last two weeks, and Scott, I want to ask you this, two or three weeks, I really think you can say maybe since that Northwestern State game, is, is particularly against uh, since the UNLV matchup, the turnover numbers have been a little bit higher, and the offense has been – certainly more sluggish and a little sloppier there's there's been maybe a, a bit of a lack of fluidity so from your perspective scott uh, tonight and moving forward what does the southern miss offense need to do to really get going i just needs to find its groove again and it needs to um get the ball in the hands of its playmakers and, and just keep shooting the basketball I'm a, this this comes down to you know the individual and conference play changes everything 
the energy is different, the uh, the strength is different, you know, the, the difficulty is different. When you get into Troy, App State, Louisiana, when you get there, things are, are not going to look as pretty as they did before, especially when you ended non-conference play against teams like Lamar and McNeese State. It, things just change. They have to get back to who they are. They have to get back to moving Hase in and out. He is uh, their their best inside-outside threat, I think, even though Crowley, or Crowley um, is the best scorer. I think Hase kind of opens things up, and uh, he's a little streaky sometimes. You've got to keep him shooting the basketball. You can't let anybody uh, go without shooting the ball, and I think that's just so important in this game. Um, I know when, when players get cold, sometimes you want to see them you know, chill out a little bit. I think you want to see Hase and Crowley take the most shots, and then you let Pinkney come around and just do his thing, which is get rebounds and you know get to the basket. So they just have to get back to who they are, and I think they'll do that eventually. They'll find a way, and uh, you never really know. It's college basketball. It could happen tonight. But I don't think, where like in the Louisiana Monroe game, the Eagles fell behind early. They mm-hmm. were able to scratch back and eventually win that game. Yeah. You cannot against Marshall. No get down 14 or 16 points in the first half and expect to be able to erase that deficit. Right, because of exactly what Scott's saying. They play so fast. It's I mean, If you get down 15, 20 points, you're not going to be able to dig yourself back into it. All right, Scott Watkins, thank you, buddy. Sun Herald is where you can find Scott's work. Great coverage of a Southern Miss, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thank you guys for having me. All right, Scott Watkins, everybody, again from the Sun Herald on the coast. The men... Southern Miss and Marshall tonight at 8 o'clock. That's on ESPN2. It was not originally scheduled for an 8 o'clock game, but because the Eagles had that great start and Marshall was projected to be one of the top teams in the Sun Belt, ESPN said, hey, we need to promote these two teams. And so they are. So that game, that men's game starts tonight at 8. Meanwhile, the women, the Lady Eagles, of Coach Joy Lee McNellis, will be at home tonight against Arkansas State. Arkansas State has an assistant coach by the name of Connor McNellis. Yes, they're related. (laughs) So it's going to be mother against son, which is not something you hear very often in sports terms. Southern Miss against Arkansas State. We'll talk more about that game and talk a little bit about a lot of things. The final segment of the Eagle Hour coming up in just a moment. Southern Miss to the top. The final segment of today's program brought to you by D1 and DBAT Training Facility in Hattiesburg. State-of-the-art, immaculate, clean place for your youngsters to get ready for the softball or baseball season. The batting cages on the left side. They've got the machines where you can actually set what type of pitches you want to throw. Curveballs, change-ups, whatever. They've got those set aside for you. Also, the physical training on the right side, too. Strengthen your core, whatever you know your New Year's resolutions might be. They can take care of you on the right side of D1 and DBAT training. Also, a shout-out to Mobay Beignet, the official beignet of the Eagle Hour. They're located right across from campus at Southern Miss, right across. They're on 
Hardy Street. A lot of students like to go there and study. It's a great atmosphere. They've got a fresh a selection of fresh coffees, both hot and cold. And, of course, the beignets, really big beignets with the flavor of the month syrups that you can put over that and all the powdered sugar. Mobe beignet, big, uh, big Southern Miss supporters and glad to have them with us women's basketball tonight at the greenhouse a six o'clock tip-off as arkansas state comes to town against joy lee mcnellis's southern miss lady eagles the lady eagles three and one in sunbelt play arkansas state comes in zero and four the red wolves five and ten overall the lady eagles ten and five but to me the most intriguing thing of this matchup Ben Milam, is the fact that Joy Lee McNellis, the head coach of Southern Miss, will be coaching against her son, Mm -hmm. who is an assistant coach at Arkansas State. We kind of joked, you know, you hear about fathers and sons on the football field or whatever going up against each other, but uh, pretty rare that it's mother versus son, and that'll be the case tonight at Reed Green. Yeah, and I'd imagine it's probably colored some of their conversations over the last couple of weeks, and I also imagine Connor's, much of his basketball knowledge and philosophy is from growing up under his mom, a legendary head coach, and, um, you know, question if there's is there some reverse psychology around that does joy lee mcnellis play a little different because she knows connor knows her her style so well it's it, there are a lot of different factors that are really interesting when you get a matchup like this and this you look at this game kelly and this this really is you know it, it's a game you should win I don't, I don't think i don't think that's um an overstatement you mentioned the overall record arkansas state has lost their last five and Southern Miss has, has been playing really well, but it's an opportunity to bounce back. And I think this falls at uh, at a pretty pretty good time for the Lady Eagles on the schedule to where you can, you can continue to get back some of these injured players because they're still not at full strength as well as they've been playing. Uh, this is a great opportunity to do that and to get back in the win column and bounce back after that loss against James Madison. Connor McNellis played his prep basketball at Oak Grove right down the road here. It was, was quite, quite a point guard and could shoot the lights out of it. I mean, he was your... Your three-point guy. Uh-huh. I mean, every time they could get it to him, real quick release. But you know, and, and you were talking about the, the discussions over the, the dinner table. Of course, he's you know in Jonesboro right, now, where right. the folks are here. But his dad, Dennis McNellis, you know, was a coach at Clemson and and has quite an extensive coaching background as well. But and you know, moms we always kind of stereotype women as being the you know complete nurturers and oh, that's my baby, but. I, I can't imagine Joy Lee tonight looking over and saying, oh, that's my baby over there. She's, she wants to beat his brains out. Yeah, I'm not sure how much mercy she's going to have tonight. Yeah, yeah I, I just think that's a, that's a great story uh, that the two of them. And, and, you know, and even if, you, if you're in Connor's shoes and you happen to pull the upset, you know, mm-hmm. is that really bragging rights? We go home and say, hey, I beat my mom's team last <laughs> night. <laughs> Probably not something that you'd want to brag too much about. But uh, that's at 6 o'clock tonight. The Lady Eagles off to a great start in Sunbelt play. Now, other news around the sports world. This one out of the National Football League. The AFC title game, it's been determined by the NFL that if the AFC title game comes down between the top two seeds... Kansas City being one, Buffalo being two. Because of the canceled game between Buffalo and Cincinnati, that the AFC Championship game would be staged at the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. a neutral site between Buffalo and Kansas City, only if that is the final pairing. If Kansas City happens to lose out, then the AFC Championship game would be in Buffalo. If Buffalo loses out, the game would be in Kansas City, whoever the opponent would 
opponent would be would be irrelevant. Yep. So again, this was part of the deal that the NFL brokered with uh, with team owners because of the cancellation uh, of the Demar Hamlin situation. That Buffalo and Kansas City, if it came down to those two teams, they would play the AFC Championship game in Atlanta. No mention of Cincinnati, but right. I, th- I think th- I just think that whole. Why not Cincinnati? You know, Cincinnati was kind of <laughs> sure. in that mix. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, that's, that's the way it's going to work out. But you would think that rarely do the playoffs go the way they're supposed to. So you, right. maybe somebody will get upset, and then the other team would get to have a home field for the AFC championship. Yeah, that's true. And there, there are a lot of different ways it could go, and it could have gone in terms of, of ironing out the logistics of the game cancellation after the De- DeMar Hanlon uh, situation, which – Side note: Sounds like he's he's making a a pretty good recovery. Yeah, praise God! Like. Everything yeah. seems to be yeah. going along well. Absolutely, but I, I think I to me this this seems like a pretty good solution because there you know you could have moved the playoffs back a week and there there are a number of different things you could have done. But this seems like a pretty smooth and agreeable solution to the whole uh, again tragic situation. That'll do it for this Thursday edition. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking with Matt Stoltz, who's the radio voice of Arkansas State. The Eagles men's team, of course, will travel to Jonesboro to play on Saturday. We'll have a recap of all tonight's basketball action and set up the table for a weekend of Southern Miss sports. That's tomorrow on the Eagle Hour. Thanks for joining us. For Ben Milam and producer-engineer Michael Mergens, I'm Kelly Sanner. Thanks again for joining us. Until tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Southern Miss to the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.